What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. How is everyone doing? You guys still stressing a little bit about the election? I know that as of right now, we still don't even know who's going to be our president, um, but I hope everybody had a chance to make it out to the polls and make their voices heard and, and whatnot. Um, it's definitely been an interesting few days, but I'm, I'm glad to see that you know people are just kind of excited for to, to find out who's going to be the president, which is great. Um, with sitting down this week, guys, I was trying to think what I wanted to talk about on this week's episode of the podcast. And recently, I was at a wedding that the ceremony and the reception both required um, on-camera flash. And and flash um, is rare when I have to use flash during a ceremony um, because for me, I'm I'm either at a very nicely well-lit church or even a reception venue that's outside or a ceremony venue that's outside. Um, With that, I I was thinking, did I ever talk about flash on the podcast? And I I haven't. And I want to go over today's, in today's episode, three ways you could be setting up your reception lighting um, and also other um, lighting for other scenarios too if you need lights during like um, you know like a ceremony or something like that as always guys Rosie's in the background of today's podcast playing with toys and stuff so if you do hear some weird noise it's probably just the pup um, but she's definitely a co-host now I would say <laughs> or something along that line so let's get right into today's episode guys we're gonna talk all about lighting all about three different setups that I've used before um, kind of which one maybe might be best for certain scenarios um, and which one I would say to kind of like start with I'll help you guys out with that as well too So with lighting, I'm going to cover all the gear for each category as well. But if you want to find any of this gear, there will be a link to my gear list in the show notes of the episode. So go ahead and head over to that um, if you'd like to, you know, see which flashes I'm referencing to or kind of see what the current price points are at or something. I will say don't buy anything right now specifically. I would wait a few weeks until... You know, those Black Friday sales come around. If it's Amazon, throw it into like a, a list page and you'll definitely be able to track, oh, it's gone down X dollars since you added it in or something like that and kind of go based off there. There's always great sales on flashes during the holidays because it's a sub $300, $400 price point item, whereas like our cameras are like two grand. So there's not going to be an insane deal, but there might be like a few hundred bucks or something like that. So the first lighting setup is definitely the one people will always usually start with. Um, and definitely the cheapest and most simple option, but that's just a single on-camera flash. Now, I will say I'm not saying the pop-up flash that comes with a lot of the Canon cameras. Sony cameras, we don't even have pop-up flashes. I know the A6500 lines do, um, the crop sensor cameras, but full frame, no, there's no pop-up flashes on any of those camera bodies, and that's because those flashes are just very, very inferior to whatever options. Those are a very, very last resort Or if you're really shooting for a specific style, then maybe you could get away with it. Um, But pop-up flashes are definitely the first option if you have nothing. Um, But on-camera flash, what I'm referencing to that is taking a external flash, like a speed light, and screwing it onto the top of your camera in your camera hot shoe mount and using that as your flash and light source. Um, This is a very simple setup. 
Um, it's easy to go from flash to no flash with this setup because a lot of times all you're having to do is just turn a button on and off. And that can be very helpful because let's say the couple's like, oh my God, please come outside really quickly. You know, you don't have to turn a bunch of things off or stop a bunch of things. You can just, you know, turn the switch really quickly on your flash and you're, you have no flash now. Um, this is definitely the least expensive option. I will say that you can get, pick up cheap flashes for pretty cheap on Amazon. I want to say there's some that go for like, 40 or even like 60 bucks or something like that now are they going to be the best flash options for you no for sure no uh this is definitely a category where, where you're going to get what you pay for there's certain ones um that i think that you could go cheaper on i think that like sony for some problem like people always think that always think people always think that sony shooters have more money to spend i think that's why some of their g master lenses are really really expensive um stuff like really simple accessories like even the extended hand grip for the sony cameras by sony is like 300 dollars when the aftermarket one is like a hundred bucks or even 60 bucks or something like that insanely cheaper uh this is definitely the least expensive option though um this is also the least obtrusive option to the guests in the wedding as well because you only have one camera or one flash on top of your camera when you're moving around. This is the least obtrusive. Your, your guests are not going to feel like you're setting up a studio inside the ceremony and the reception because all you have is that one flash. And if that um, you know appeases to your shooting style, I would say that going with this sort of a flash system is the best option. If, if you want to be that photographer that nobody even really even notices you're there or doesn't obtrude to the wedding at all, maybe a single on-camera flash is your best option. Again, will it give you as great as a light output as some of these other few setups I'll talk to you guys about in a little bit? Maybe not, but it'll appease more to your style and more to you as a person and your characteristics. With this setup, you always will have a little bit, le a, like definitely a little, I would say maybe half or even more less control of the background of your images because that flash can only do so much. You are you're on a 35 millimeter lens and you're pretty close to your uh, somebody on the dance floor you're taking a photo of. You want to light them correctly, but a lot of times what's going to happen is you're going to lose a little, bit, a little bit of that background. You're not, I mean, in some shots, you may not even be able to know exactly where you're at. You'll see this a lot in more um, direct on-camera flash um sort of examples like the pop-up flash like when you know your old cameras that would just pop and shoot a flash right at the person and you would have no clue where they're at because they're the only part that's lit in the photo at night you may run into some of those issues especially if you're not bouncing um and some of you guys may be like what is bouncing so setting up this flash what i would normally do if i walked into a wedding the first thing i i would do is i would look up and see what what color is the ceiling because you want to set your Kelvin temperature, um, obviously, in your camera to expose properly, even though you're shooting raw, but also to kind of get as close in camera to the color that the room is obviously giving off or that complements your shooting style. So, sorry guys, it's a little early here, um, but for me, shooting and bouncing flash off of a white ceiling is your 100% best option because you're going to get really nice soft white light as opposed to bouncing it off a green, yellow, blue ceiling. You're going to have to counteract that that color shift that it's going to give by either putting gels like colored gels on top of your camera or changing your Kelvin temperature on the opposite scale to balance out that color. Um, so the first best, the first best, the best option would, ha would doing an on camera flash is to 
um, bounce it off a white ceiling. Bouncing off a white ceiling is 100% the best option. Second thing you can do is use a, um, a modifier, and also this kind of takes me to my next point, is this setup will also require basically just the flash and modifiers. Um, modifiers being um, anything that makes the light a little bit softer, so it could be like a Gary Fong softbox, it could be a reflector that bounces the flash towards one direction, um, but if you have like a very soft white reflector, that would be the second best option, and then the third would be something that diffuses the light, like a Gary Fong diffuser that's kind of angled towards the guest a little bit, but also kind of towards the ceiling because you don't want too much light hitting them direct on because that's when you'll lose that background. Um, a lot of stuff that you have to maneuver around here. So I would say for sure, best option, bouncing off a white ceiling. Second best option, using a reflector. Then third is the, you know, more of the direct flash kind of component. Um, like I said before, the one really nice thing about this is it's very easy to maneuver and move around the room with this flash setup. So if you're in a spot that the couple's like, oh, take a photo with me and Uncle Jerry, and it's like, oh, it's like green walls and the roof's really low, it's going to be a really harsh bounce, you literally could just be like, hey, can we just pop right over here six feet away or 10 feet away in this better room, in this better area, and, and take the photo there. Um, that's the convenience of the setup is you're very, very maneuverable, very easy to change settings since it's right there at your fingertips um, and you're only controlling one flash. My biggest recommendation, um, and this kind of goes for all of these setups and these kits, is to purchase rechargeable lithium-ion speed lights and strobe lights. Um, I don't understand nowadays why anybody would buy a, a light that did not use a rechargeable battery. I'm not trying to go out and buy AAA batteries every single wedding every time I have to go shoot for four hours at a reception. For me, it's really easy to just come home, pop out my lithium-ion batteries, recharge them, and then be ready for the next day. Um, and also, it's just more cost-effective. You know, you buy a $180 flash, okay, well, the, the one with the batteries options and not the lithium-ion is $120, but after 10 weddings of buying $8 in, in light and batteries, you're going to make up for that cost, as obviously, as, as, it, as it stands by itself. Um, like I said before, guys, the only additional items you would need for this would be those those batteries if you did that battery option and then whatever modifiers your your heart's desires. Um, this is just a one on-camera flash setup, guys. It's very simple, very quick, most the easiest maneuverable. So I, I'd like to close this section off by telling you that the number one person I was adjusted for is a somebody that finds themselves in constantly changing environments while shooting photos at a wedding um, or a venue that really doesn't have the flexibility of setting up off-camera flash or the at a venue that you constantly will be changing the direction of your flash, changing your settings, your shutter speed, your aperture, and your the power of your flash and stuff. Um, for quick reference, let's say a standard... 10 foot ceiling in a home but is around like maybe 16 feet in in a reception room sometimes um i would say i usually be anywhere between like 164th power maybe 132 bouncing directly off the ceiling um this soft bright light is going to give you the best and the the most softest light you can get while also kind of exposing for the background a little bit too to kind of show where you're at so that is on camera flash with just one camera flash the next one's going to be on and off camera flash um, this is a setup I think a lot of people start to experiment when they're still growing their gear. I think that a lot of times people will never jump straight to on and off camera flashes because you're not, most people won't buy one or two flashes at a time. They'll buy one, get experience with it, buy the next, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, though, this is somewhat of a simple setup because all you're having to do is what you did in the first step, but also setting up one more off camera flash requires a little bit more knowledge of light placement because 
Again, you want to know that you want to make sure that you're bouncing off the correct spot and not just bouncing it off like a brown, dark, low ceiling um, and expecting to get really good, really good, nice, soft light. So some of the knowledge and how to place this has to be um, has to be there because let's say you're doing an entrance at a reception and you have one camera, you have one flash on your camera, obviously, and you're bouncing that directly off the ceiling in front of you. Well. That doesn't have to be as strong as a power if your other flash is also bouncing directly off that ceiling. But maybe that flash is pointed towards the back of the couple to give them more of a rim light when they walk in, but it's out of frame. So having some knowledge of where you want to place this flash is crucial because you have a little bit more flexibility. Do I want to light up a specific section um, on the entrance pathway? Do I want to light up the background? Do I want to hair light the couple? Do I want to give a nice flare in my photo and have it in the shot? A lot of questions and answers that you have to kind of figure out when you're on location. Um, again, this can be one or two off-camera lights, but just always having one on your camera as well. Um, obviously, a little less maneuverable here um, as far as being able to you have to walk across the room, pick up a light stand, move it around or something like that if you need to change stuff. Um, but, and then also, let's say you ran into that same example where the couple was like, hey, can we take a photo? And, and it's not really the best spot and you have to move. You may just have to change the settings on your on-camera flash um, if it's out of range of the off-camera one because you know, you're know you compensating for having two flashes with, at half medium powers as opposed to one flash at like a higher power or something like that. The setup will be a little bit more expensive, obviously, because you have to buy more flashes, choose stands, modifiers for both. Um, it's a little more disruptive on the guests as well because you're going to have that light stand um, and placing it in areas that you you know you want it at. You may not necessarily need to have it too close to the guest or too in the awkward position in the middle of the dance floor, but um, it definitely is a little bit more intrusive than your you know just one light on your top of your camera um, for sure. But you're getting more control of your background lighting for sure, 100%, because you're able to maneuver that light around, point it in certain directions and stuff like that, and you're not getting that with that first setup at all. Um, the most difficult part about this lighting setup um, is definitely learning where to place them, but also just figuring out the right times to move them, the right times to you know change your lighting for the cake, cutting, change your lighting for first dances and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely, I think that, People start to fall in love with using off-camera flash um, when they see the backgrounds and when they see the separation they can get on their couples if they hair light them using an off-camera flash. I think a lot of times, I'd be curious to see how many people go from using an on and off-camera flash back to just one flash on top of their camera um, and stuff like that. Last thing here is you're going to need a signal receiver and sender. So some people are still old school and using a, a receiver on like between their camera and then the, off, the camera that they, oh my gosh, I'm butchering this guys, I'm sorry. So you have your camera, then you have like a receiver and a sender, and then you also would have a, a, a flash on top of that. Whereas now there's companies like Godox and other um, other companies as well that make it to where their flashes are a built-in um, receiver and signal sender as well, um, which is very, very convenient. And that'll kind of lead us into our next step, our next one here, which is a full off-camera flash setup. This is currently my favorite setup, and I only started doing this when I just got enough lights to do it all and then I did a wedding without it where I was okay I'm gonna try two and one on top of my camera and I realized that the off, completely off camera flash setup is my is my favorite for sure yes does it require the most gear 100% you know you're buying three three light stands and maybe even a backup one just in case you're buying three lights you're buying you know a receiver and a signal um 
retriever as if you need it and and this stuff can add up it can definitely get a little bit more expensive way more time consuming because you have to make sure you place these all in the right areas um the triangle setup is definitely the best setup here i think for me the best example i give with that is like let's say you're at a reception white ceilings i know i keep going based off white ceilings and um you have all of them set up in a triangle formation so maybe one in the left corner one in the right corner, then one like directly behind you if you're standing like in the middle of the dance floor or something. And I normally will have them all facing and pointing up towards the ceiling. Now, what a triangle setup will do, let's say a couple's in the middle of the of this triangle. Well, everything will be lit in this image. I will have light on them. I will have light on the background. I'll have a little bit of a hair light. I've always enjoyed a completely off-camera flash setup for that reason. Um, it does take a little bit higher knowledge to set up because you have to kind of see, okay, let me place this here, I'll angle this here, I'll put it to this power um, and stuff like that. For me, I never have to use high-speed sync. Um, having a three-flash three off-camera setup is always pow powerful enough for me. I can get capture motion perfectly while also having you know my images be sharp. And then also for me, um, I found it to where I enjoy it the most because of literally one reason I enjoy it the most. I can switch from vertical to horizontal without having to move any sort of flashes around on top of my camera. I just turn my camera. And I think that's my, been my most enjoyable part about it is with, a, with an on-camera flash, you've got to re-angle the flash because let's say you're taking a horizontal photo, you know, when your camera flash is pointed up towards the ceiling. Well, that light is bouncing off the ceiling while your camera is in horizontal. So as soon as you turn your camera sideways, now that light is bouncing to the left. So you've got to move it up angle it up, push it up to the right way, and it's just, it's tedious when bouncing back and forth from horizontal to vertical. Now, we'll say this, the one thing that sucks about a completely off-camera flash setup is if somebody's outside of that triangle zone, um, and somebody is, you know, um, in a horrible spot, maneuvering and, and switching your lighting around can be difficult. So sometimes I would say, like for me, I, I have a shoulder bag, and what I'll do is I have just a signal receiver and sender on my camera when I'm doing completely off-camera flash, but I have one speed light sitting in my camera bag that's like over my shoulder, just in case I find myself in a scenario, I'll just pop off the receiver and just pop on the, you know, the single on-camera flash um, to grab one or two quick photos if, if need be. This is definitely more difficult of a setup, but again, the benefits really do outweigh some of the other things. I will say that changing the settings can be a little bit tedious sometimes too, because you have three flashes set up and you don't really remember which one is flash a b or c in your in your little receiver um so it's like changing the powers can be a little bit difficult but i just mark them based on color um so you know flash a is blue flash b um is red and then flash c is yellow and then i just kind of know on my receiver i just mark those with like r b y and i can kind of change them pretty quickly um definitely obviously requires more gear this is a, lot, a little bit more expensive I use Godox for everything, guys. Um, I'm using the Godox 862s as the speed lights and the, with the lithium-ion version, and then also the Godox 8200s. I love those. I actually want to get more of those. I'd rather use those strobes because in very, very dark situations, they're way more powerful than the speed lights, and the refresh rate is so, so quick. Um, also, I forgot to mention before, using a lithium-ion battery will definitely help you with your refresh rate. For those that don't know what that is, that's just basically how quickly the flash will will, will strobe off again um, once you've already had it flash once or twice or something like that. At full power, the 8200s, I almost can get back-to-back, -back, like click, 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 
click. I mean, it's rare. It might skip one like every third or fourth, um, but it's pretty consistent on being able to refresh pretty fast. Um, the one thing that sucks, another thing I keep, I keep dogging on the full off camera slap flash setup. Um, one downside is that larger footprint, um, and, and stationary. So you will have three, you know, light stands, tripods set up with these flashes. And it just does take up a little bit more room. Um, people may see, you know, three different flashes going off in their peripherals and stuff like that. But what I found is like, I try to set them up before the reception starts and, you know, they kind of get used to it or people just like kind of forget they're even there. So I just kind of start taking a photo here and there. Same thing goes with video lights, guys. If you if you have a video light for my videographers out there, set it up before and turn it on before anybody gets in the reception. That way, visually, they just think it's normal. And then when you turn it off, they're like, oh, that's nice. It's really dark in here and it's nice. Um, same thing kind of goes with like photography when it comes to flashes. You definitely can blend in easier with this setup too. The convenient thing about not having a big old speed light on your camera with a flash modifier is that it's a smaller compact system. So for me, I just have my Sony a7R3s and with with my little receiver, which is very small, I almost you know, I could bl definitely blend in at like a reception if I needed to with that. And also another great advantage is you're never really going to have to worry about direct flash onto somebody um, because everything is going to be bouncing towards or, you know, the ceiling or like kind of off to the side of people when it comes to the flash setup and whatnot. Whew, yeah, a lot of stuff about flashes, guys. It's definitely a very um, a topic that's very tough to just kind of get on your own. I would say practicing is the biggest thing. Um, the biggest thing you can do in regards to flash setups. And I know some of you guys may be having questions on what flashes to purchases and stuff. As always, I'll have the gear link to um, my whole list of stuff that I use for flash in the show notes of the episode if you want to check out any of these flashes that I referenced today. Um, lighting reception can be a difficult task, um, but honestly, try out multiple setups. I, I literally... I literally would set up lighting in my living rooms and set up scenes and have my girlfriend like dance or jump around to capture motion correctly. And that's literally how I learned to use them. I would say don't ever try to utilize learning on 100% on a wedding day. If if you always have just done on-camera flash, do that for like 80%. And then maybe when there's only like two or three people left dancing at the end of the night, as tedious as it is, set up your testing one so you can have a better environment to test in with higher ceilings, you know, dark, darker outside if you shoot a lot of outside weddings and test your scenes that way rather than just completely um, experimenting on a couple's wedding day. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I think it was a little bit more of a, of a quicker episode. I hope so. Today, I was trying to shoot for 20 minutes. Um, if you have any questions, as always, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm so happy to help out, guys, um, and stuff like that. I also just posted a new YouTube video today. If you want to check out that, it was a recent wedding film that I did in Lakewood Ranch here in Florida. Anyways, guys, have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace.